1: And Jimmy Wang Yang flying all over the ring. Oh. Jimmy Wang Yang is fun oh. to watch. I don't like him, but he's fun to watch. Cover. Hey, Victoria breaking up the three count. Here comes Tori. Oh. 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 Red Demon's on the floor. And Dexter and Yang, Wang Yang, the ring. Elbow for Jimmy oh. Wang Yang. actually a dosido viral I know a lot about country western dancing
0: cuz I know a lot about country girls women All right there. let's get it going right here and right now this is the two man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to another amazing episode here of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling Podcast. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only JP John Paz. And John to join us in just a couple of minutes as he sits down this week with a man who's celebrating 20 years of Yang. The one and only Jimmy Wang Yang joining today's episode and we're all about to jump on the redneck party bus and get our asses down to the big four day convention next weekend. It's StarCast and Jimmy Wang Yang will be a part of the StarCast festivities in a major way kind of culminating all his many years of the great things he's brought to the world of professional wrestling. And in this episode today, John and Jimmy Wang Yang talk about a lot of stuff, including the Jimmy Wang Yang character, which if you can even believe this, and I'm going to drop this number on you, 13 years ago this past week, the Jimmy Wang Yang character debuted and kind of talking with John over the weekend while we were in Charlotte, North Carolina at The Gathering. You know, and asking John, hey, what are some of the points? What are the keys to the game that we can look forward to in the interview? And he said, quite frankly, I mean, it's hard to believe, but, you know, I'm kind of being facetious saying that, but the story that you got to listen out for is how the Jimmy Wang Yang character came to be and Vince McMahon and Jimmy uh, Yang's conversation about what was going to be this Jimmy Wang Yang character in a typical Vince McMahon uh, fashion. It is absolutely hilarious story that, uh, you know, of course, Vince, uh, you do your impression in uh, your head while he's talking, but you could picture every word coming out of his mouth as Jimmy Yang is telling this to John. But, you know, when you think about 20 years of Yang, man, it's just so crazy to kind of uh, wrap your head around because you don't feel like These guys have been around for 20 years, and especially a guy like Jimmy Yang, who was always just so fast and so quick in the ring and could do so much stuff. I bet you we throw him in the middle of a ring right now, and he put on another hell of a show because he was such a great athlete uh, and just really delivered all the time. Whatever role he was playing, whether he was a uh, Yakuza member as Akio and uh, watching the back. Of Tajiri, or he was in the Young Dragons in WCW. Just always so exciting and so explosive with that offense, and uh, always a guy you wanted to keep your eye on. But the Jimmy Wang Yang character, I think, is what really took him into another stratosphere. Kind of got that WWE branding, you know, if you will. Somebody who could come back uh, a couple different times for some cameos, as well as, you know, do the comedy, but also have great matches and and some cool storylines. To uh, to mix in there amongst the uh, the other characters of the day, and you think back to that 2008 2009 uh, time frame, you know that was kind of I feel like the waning days of those really creative characters, where you could take something inside your personality, like a quote redneck, and bring that to television and make that a really cool staple of WWE programming like Jimmy Wang Yang was on SmackDown for a very long time a very great period for the WWE there that end of the uh, the early 2000s but with this Jimmy Wang Yang tour this 20 years of Yang and the Redneck Party Bus making their way to Chicago it's going to be an exciting weekend to say the least but one thing that is really cool about jimmy yang's appearance at starcast is he's kind of gone into the vault so to speak and pulled out a, a cavalcade of amazing memorabilia that will be for sale at starcast kind of uh, from the the personal uh belongings collection there of jimmy yang and he's uh, raided his closet he's hit the jackpot And it's stuff from WCW, stuff from Japan, stuff from TNA and WWE as well. And they're bringing it to the Collector Corner at StarCast events. And again, you know, if you're going to StarCast, you kind of know what to expect. There's going to be a lot of people there. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to get autographs and, and meet a lot of the stars. But this one is really special that you can meet Jimmy Yang And you can get an autograph, you can get a photo, and you can buy some really cool memorabilia. So I'm going to let Jimmy Yang and John do the talking and kind of build up the appearance there at StarCast as well as the Redneck Party Bus and we are going to get into this episode now because hey that's what it's time for that's what you're here for you're not here for me you're here for Jimmy Yang you're here for a nice fun conversation and you're ready to get it rolling into this episode and we want to thank everybody before we do that who came out to Charlotte North Carolina this past weekend for the gathering convention at the uh, the beautiful Hilton University Hotel there in Charlotte it was an absolutely unforgettable weekend uh, a lot of laughs a lot of fun and great working with arn anderson and tully blanchard one more time of course we'd love to do it again in the future but just an absolutely amazing couple of days in a beautiful and steaming hot charlotte north carolina so thank you to everybody who came up and said some kind words about the show and uh if you're listening right now you know who you are so appreciate that so let's wrap it up here nice let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the redneck, Jimmy Wang Yang.
2: Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio.
0: And now, without any further ado... This man is a former WCW and WWE superstar. He's a former All-Japan Pro Wrestling Junior League and Tag League winner. You may remember him as Akio, but his name is Jimmy Wang Yang. He's engaged.
1: Neck through and through. I got my hat and my pickup truck and my hound dog, he's named Blue. Some people criticize my way of life. Guess I'm gonna have to punch someone tonight. Yes, I am. Railroad trains echo across the lonesome country sky, laying down the rhythm. That money just can't buy This redneck won't go down without a fight So I'm gonna have to punch someone tonight Lazy rivers run Trying to find the sea Just the way that trouble looks for me Make me an offer I cannot refuse, keep on acting up this way, you'll give a redneck for
4: the
2: blues.
4: all right joining I us on the line right now is a former All Japan Pro Wrestling Junior League and Tag League winner. You may know him as a former WCW and WWE superstar, maybe Jimmy Wang Yang, maybe a KO. He is Jimmy Yang. Jimmy, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling
3: what's up, what's up?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've got so much going on, and it's crazy because everyone thinks, oh, Jimmy Yang, maybe he's been out of the business for a while. Maybe he's laying low. Maybe he's doing this. Maybe he's doing that. You've got so much going on. It's crazy. It's almost like, I don't even know where to start. Maybe just start at StarCast where you'll be having an appearance, which is obviously one of the biggest conventions going in the wrestling
3: business today. Yeah, Yeah, that's what people think I've been away and retired and everything, but I really, I've just been so busy with uh, the Red Nate Party Bus Company, you know, and uh, <laughs> my 16-year-old daughter, and then i am finally taking, you know, I, with the uh, party bus business, I haven't had a weekend off in like six years, so like, I'm finally taking a weekend off, Labor Day weekend, going to go to Chicago, StarCast, uh, you know, see what that's all about. AEW is going to be there, and finally, or not finally, but like going taking a weekend off to go do some wrestling wrestling stuff. You know, <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love it. So, what is the Jimmy? You know, the Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus. What is that all about? Uh,
3: it's like basically exactly what you just said. <laughs> you know, it's Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus. You know, but it's uh, basically just a uh, party bus themed and redneck and, uh, also have a princess bus. And, uh, so it's basically group transportation for 10 to 15 people in the Cincinnati area, you know, like basically a designated driver for groups. You know, so, And how's it going business wise? Yeah. Like I said earlier, like I haven't had a weekend off in like six years. So like, uh, I haven't retired from wrestling. I have just been really busy with the party. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people need designated drivers on the weekends, <laughs> so mm-hmm. like uh, yep. the supply and demand for business is unbelievable. I think personally, the red uh, the party bus business is the best investment of my life. You know, so like uh, there's a big demand for it, and it's financially pretty stable, and uh, it's a great business. How did you get into that line of business? Actually, it's uh, my third business. Like uh, I did the typical thing with wrestling, you know, like, oh, you know, I'll be a, I'm a pro wrestler, so I'm going to start a wrestling school. And, um, well, I tell people, you know, uh, people like wrestling, but they don't need it, you know. Mm. And then I started a pest control company after that. And the same thing with pests. People uh, would like to have it, but it's not a need, right, for your houses and, you know for your house, basically, you know, you don't like pets, but you don't need to get rid of them. You like wrestling, but you don't need wrestling. Uh, I asked people, how many people need designated drivers on the weekends? Right. Yep. You know, so like, uh, so like, and I kind of fell into it because I was looking for another business to do that people needed. Right. That's what, that's, that's, you know, my philosophy on business, I have to do something that people absolutely need, you know. And then I was looking around, and this guy was selling his limo business. So I was like, "Oh, the limo business sounds pretty good. You just drive people around, you know? Like, doesn't seem too hard." And and one other thing about the other businesses, I needed a lot. I needed help running those businesses. So my next business, I just wanted something that I could do by myself. I didn't, you know, I can answer phone calls. I can drive the bus. I can clean up the puke. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I can I can do it all by myself. I didn't have to depend on anybody else. And uh so anyways then I went up to check this guy's limo business out and he had some old memos and I was like, man uh they were kinda old and I was like, nah, I'm not really interested in those and he said, Well well I got a a party bus and it but it's a redneck party bus, you know, so I grew up in Georgia, so I'm like, Okay, <laughs> let me check it out, you know, and uh he pulled that bus out, and I was like, I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. I was like, Oh my god, this is awesome! And uh, you know, and then thinking about the redneck party bus, and thinking about Jimmy Wang Yang, the character and the marketing, I was like, Oh man, I could tie this together, and bought it. Uh, like a guy, because of the negotiation, the guy was like, Oh well, I'll sell you the whole company for X amount of dollars. And then I was like, mm, Well, how much just for the bus, you know? And he gave me a price, and I. Bought it literally right there. I was like, Here, you know, and uh, and it started, and I haven't had a weekend off in six years, you know. So
4: that is great. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but do a lot of people notice you, like, Hey, Jimmy Wang Yang, you know, hey, it's Jimmy Yang as our driver. Do you get it noticed a lot? Uh,
3: you know, like, because the big campaign or the marketing plan for the redneck party bus was the tie in The the. Asian redneck Jimmy Yang, you know, character, you know, so like uh, that thing made, you know, WWE helped me out a little bit, you know, with the, where are they now? Uh, mm-hmm. And then they did a uh, WWE.com article about it. So it was like kind of uh, advertised as, uh, you know, the WWE wrestlers party bus and also it's a redneck party bus, you know, so it was kind of the whole plan was, to push it that way for the marketing. And then, uh, but there are a lot of customers that don't know that I'm actually, uh, what gets most of people is that they don't think I drive it. You know, it's like, Oh, that's a guy. He uh, owns a company. The way they, he drives a bus, you know, but then I pick up people and they see me and like, you know, Good morning, what are you doing here? I thought you actually driving the bus. I'm like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> my bus, like what are you talking about? Like uh you know, and then uh with the kind of advertisements kinda of pretty big in Cincinnati and like every time I stop going down the street. You know, it's kinda of dangerous driving it down like not me driving, but other people see it and they then they see me and then they're trying to take pictures and they're like swerving off the roads and almost hitting me and stuff like just go for it, you know, wait and stop signs and, you know, right? You know, it gets a lot of attention. So.
4: It is a great business and it's awesome that you see guys post-wrestling being successful in a completely different genre, doing their completely different thing. I mean, right, it is great post-wrestling to be successful without having to rely on WB or anything like that.
3: Yeah, like, and uh, the, really, the motivation of and you know, I trying to do so many different things was, uh, you know, like people ask me, like, why'd you start that? Say, like, oh, have you ever seen the movie The Wrestler? <laughs> you know, and they say, oh, yeah. right, you know, that's a great movie. I say, like, that's not really a movie. That's a documentary. Documentary, you know, like that's too many people that I know, you know, that end up like that, like the Mickey Rourke character. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yep. so many, and I know you probably know this too, you know, like how many guys are, that are out there like that. And after seeing that, I say, I, you know, I don't want to end up like that. I have a, a daughter to take care of. I got to kind of push the brakes on the wrestling world and let me find something that's more secure and long term. That even, you know, I can pass on to her to, you know, something that, you know, that she, I don't have to rely on wrestling. She doesn't have to rely on wrestling, you know, so. But biggest motivation for me to do that was that movie The Wrestler. Wow. And on indies and seeing some of those guys that are kind of in the same situation as Mickey Rourke's character in The Wrestler.
4: Now, you know, you mentioned your daughter and obviously she is getting into the wrestling scene and she's becoming a pro wrestler. Jazzy Wang. What is going on? (laughs) Jazzy
3: Yang. I'm
4: I'm sorry. Jazzy Yang, obviously, not Jazzy Wang. Sorry. Jazzy Yang could be uh, Jazzy Wang Yang in the future. But uh, (laughs) what is going on with that? Is that just because, you know, obviously you're Jimmy Yang, famous wrestler, like she sees her dad wrestling or was it something else that got her into the business?
3: It was that probably had a little hand on it. But like like she starts school Thursday and she's gonna be a junior this year at Lakota East High School. So as a parent, you know, like a few months ago or I guess a year ago, I'm like, So, oh, you know, what are you thinking to do after high school? You know, college or I just you know, his dad just wanted to know some kind of plan. She said, Dad, I wanna be a wrestler I'm like, Oh shit <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, No but, yeah, yeah I was like, uh Uh you know, I uh, you know but you know, like I I I'm really happy with my career, right? I've got to see go travel the world twenty times over, uh, got paid to do it, so like, you know, why wouldn't I want that for my daughter? You know, like, I, you know, I've been to Japan 50 times, you know, Canada, Mexico, all, all 50 states, Europe, you know, like, why not? You know, like, but, you know, I know how hard wrestling is, right? Like, she's seen a lot of glitz and glamour. She's got to go to Raw, SmackDown, you know, Tokyo, you know, all, you see, you know she's seen the glitz and glamour, but she hasn't seen the ugly side of the business and how hard it is. You know, but anyways, like, I said, well, you know, like, if she gets to do what I, half, like, half of what I got to do, that's pretty cool life, you know, instead of go sit at a cubicle for nine hours or eight hours, uh, wait tables or whatever, you know, like, sure, why not, you know, like, as dad, okay, cool, you know, I'll be supportive, and then, you know, I'll, I can show you how to do it, you know, and do it the right way, and hopefully things happen, but then, uh, but that was last year, right? And then I was like, Well, i you know, I started training at seventeen. She's sixteen, so I was like, I'll I'll wait till seventeen get started and also a sudden, Ashi called me and said, Hey, uh Jimmy, uh can you come to Japan? Uh uh what day was it? November twenty seventh? You know, like uh sure, but like <laughs> I'm only gonna come if I can bring my daughter, and he said, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, she come you know she can do <laughs> she can do a match with us. I'm like, what <laughs> 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 okay, you know, so then we I was like, oh crap, so jazz, you want to be a wrestler, so we're gonna get started now, so let us get started, you know, and uh, and kind of like three I had three weeks to get her ready to do a spot with the in the match with Shannon Moore and Ozawa. so they're you know those guys are really. Also wrestlers, so like I had confidence, I was, oh, we can pull this off, you know, so then we went over there, and uh we spent a week in Japan, she had fun, she loved it, you know, I loved it, and then it came match time, and I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> you know, she has to do a spot, and then she, she you know she pulled it off so awesome, like it, it was like the response from you know her. Executing the spot was amazing. The response was amazing. By the time we got back to the hotel, there was, like, media all over the place, you know, like, fans at the hotel. And the next morning, we woke up, and, you know, it's all in the newspapers, all over the Internet. Um, Like, the news station picked it up, like, and then that's where she like, the bug bitter about wrestling, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is what I want to (laughs) do, you know. Mm -hmm.
4: Yep, that'll do it.
3: Yeah, and then we came back, and we was doing some
4: little bit of training.
3: And then she actually, then she had her U.S. wrestling debut just like uh, two, three weeks ago with Legends of the Square Circle in Cincinnati, and it was like at the second biggest venue in Cincinnati called Bogart, and that was even better than the Tokyo debut. I was like, she, you know, I might be biased because I'm dad, but my. My baby is a one badass little chick. <laughs> you know, like mm. she, she, she kind of, you know, I guess it's kind of runs in her blood. You know, it's kind of was kind of too natural for her to go out there and perform and execute everything. You know, so. That
4: is great. She can kind of follow in your footsteps. Got bit by the bug, you know, a little bit early, possibly, but she could be a natural, and obviously you're a hell of a worker, hell of a rest of yourself. Are you going to be the one that just primarily trains or are you kind of going to send her off maybe, you know, for some fine tuning and some touches from somebody else? Or do you want to do it, you know, all the way through?
3: Uh, so I've been coaching her in sports a long time, right? Like, but my philosophy in coaching or even dad, you know, I can say something and she couldn't listen to me, but if somebody else <laughs> tells her something, they listens listen to it. And yeah, uh, um, mm. You yep. know, I don't know if you understand that point, but like Yes, very typical. Have, yep. You know, you have five different people and you know, she listens to me on something but then I say the same thing as this person and this person, this person, but that she gets it from Shannon. <laughs> you know. Yep. Like even when we was in, in Tokyo, like I was dad and trying to get her to do stuff and she, you know, she was kinda of nervous and and but then Kaz, that speaks broken English, started talking to her, and she just lit up and like like was a sponge with him. What he was telling her, and Kaz is such an amazing teacher. He teaches all the young boys and uh, young boys in all Japan and wrestle one. Mm-hmm. And what he said, I said the exact same thing as Kaz, but she took in everything. So like and learning on wrestling, how you learn is you know from every other everybody else, right? I want to teach her the basics and teach her maybe some stuff that I'm really good at, you know, and then I want to push her to uh, somebody else and somebody else. And then even this debut match, you know, she got trained by Kelly Klein, uh, you know, women of honor champion. And another story about that, Kelly, I trained Kelly back when I had the wrestling school. And then now, and when Jazz used to come to the wrestling shows back then, Kelly Klein was her favorite wrestler, and then I brought Kelly in to help her with this match at Bogarts, and, like, again, when Kelly talked, she just, eyes open and ears open and just basically sponged everything in what she was saying, you know, so my philosophy, I'll teach her, I want everybody to teach her, you know, and that's in wrestling, that's how you learn, really, it's, with this guy, wrestle that guy, wrestle that, that guy, with that company or that company and that company, you know, learn it all, you know, it's not just learning one style for me, you know, it's in, you know, be a sponge, learn everything, learn the Lucha Libre, learn some European wrestling, uh, Japanese strong style, whatever, learn learn it all, you know, more you know, more valuable, valuable you are, you know, so.
4: Absolutely, and pretty
3: that's, also, cool. that's also what I taught her in sports and basketball, so you, you don't just learn being a point guard. Be the shooting guard, learn how to work be a small four, learn how to work the post, learn how to defense, offense, everything. So that's a, kind of what I pass on to her, I guess.
4: Absolutely, and it's pretty cool full circle that Kelly Klein, you trained her. She's kind of having a hand in helping your daughter
3: be trained. Pretty cool little full circle moment amongst the family. Oh yeah. There's a, there's kinda of crazy to me how everything you know, and that's what this thing fur full circle is like, you know, when Kelly first started getting into wrestling, teaching her this stuff, and now she's the women's honor champion and now she's teaching my daughter, it's like this is either I'm like really old now or like you know, I'm like what's going on, you know, so but yeah. Well it's been really awesome.
4: Very cool. And I love how you still have a great relationship with Kaz, a.k.a. Kaz Hayashi. Basically, probably been friends for over 20 years now, all the way back to WCW.
3: That's yeah, for sure. Like, definitely, yeah, I started in 1998. And then, uh, so I don't know if you know, but I'm the youngest ever wrestler to sign with WCW. Like, when I got, when I had signed my official contract, it was in June of 1999. I turned 18 in May in May of 1999. My birthday's May 13th, you know, so I had just turned 18. But anyways, when they came and saw me, I lied to them and said, "Hey, how they asked me how old I was. I was only 17 and said, like, "Oh, I'm 18." <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. to try out. And then by the time the contract came, I was 18, but my birthday's May 13th. I got signed the first contract in June. Um and then right there after that, went to Power Plant and then met Kaz, you know, so our relationship from 99 till 2019, that's kind of crazy, you
4: know, so. A long, long time, 20 plus years of, uh, of friendship there. And the WCW Power Plant, I mean, there's so many stories, there's a documentary about how tough it was. Was that basically just super hard training military style?
3: Yeah, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, like that was brutal. It was, you know, the training was like a regular job. It was nine to four, Monday through Friday. But what, like, I'm asking you a question. Like, what can you do in wrestling for eight hours a day? What do you think you could do? <laughs>
4: uh, get your your body beat up and be exhausted from running the ropes or whatever. He's got. It's got to be exhausting because I can only imagine training should be a couple hours.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's the normal training. It's like mm-hmm. two hours, you know. So we had eight hours of kill, and it was just ridiculous kind of uh, drills and bumping and working out and and bumping some more squats, some more push-ups. And this thing is – this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, you know, like I lived in the Japanese dojo when I first went over there for two months, and it was close to uh, – the WCW paddle plant but still WCW that was like three four hours of training each day but like in the power plant it was eight hours and you know Sergeant Bud Lee Parker was like a little drill sergeant and it was it was rough, <laughs> you know, it was rough but, but I'm glad I went through that because that made me like stronger to be able to handle the, what I've been through the last 20 years you know if I didn't have that I don't know if I would have through with the Japanese wrestling and and all the other stuff that I've been through.
4: It almost seems like Buddy Lee Parker and, you know, the other guys that are part of the power plant almost seemed like they didn't want anybody to graduate or pass or get through. That's how tough that training seemed like it was.
3: Hmm. Technically, I heard actually it was a big scam (laughs) at the beginning. So wow. that's how they would run people out because, you know, and even that's the first time what I saw, and that's how I thought at the beginning I was going to get in because I saw the commercial that used to have, you pay $3,000, you go and do a tryout. And of course they're going to try to kill you to run you off or they, you know, just take your money and yep. you quit on them, you know? So like, uh, but even the, actually the first time we got signed and we had to go to to the power plant it was me my partner ryan forrester and was shane helms and shannon moore and and the power plant had all the jacked up guys you know and we walk in and say hey yeah we are here to show up and and we're all 185 200 pounds maybe 200 pounds you know like but mm-hmm. well, we were a lot smaller back then so i was i think i was like 180 180 pounds and we go in there and Sarge jumps on us right away. You guys go stand in the corner, you know, and um, you know that we stand in the corner. And but they didn't know that we were assigned to contracts already. They thought we were there for uh, tryouts. And my dumbass was like, you know, this is the first time meeting Shane and Shannon, and I'm like cutting jokes over there. And he saw, Sarge saw everybody laughing because I'm cracking up jokes, and he's like, who are you guys laughing at? Get your ass over here. You know, and they beat the shit out of us that day, <laughs> you know. Mm. And then at 4 o'clock, it's like, oh, so, well, I don't know if you guys should come back. You know, I like, oh, we actually already are signed the contracts. And I was like, oh, we thought you was here for tryouts. And, but I remember uh, even Dale, the demon tour board, he was the one that really beat the shit out of me. <laughs>
4: you know? mm. so, like,
3: and he was rough, you know. But, uh, but then I actually had my first – WCOD Saturday night match with Dale I and mean, they were really good friends. He said, "Man, that was just the drill. When we had new guys in there, we just had to run them off, and everything was good after that." You know.
4: Yeah, the wrestling business is tough. You got to be able to last, and they got to see if you really want it or not.
3: Yeah, and that's really the whole thing: is how much do you want it? You know, like, are you willing to get your ass beat for eight hours to do this? And you know, I've you know, I showed up every single day, you know, so I'm like, yes, you know, I love professional wrestling and definitely, you know, at that time, you know, there's no way they was going to kick me out of that gym, you know, like, I w- like even crawling out there, I would have, you know, there's no way I would have gave up on that dream for WCW at the power plant. And who actually signed you to your contract? Uh, so Chris Canyon is the one that came and saw us uh, do a tryout match and, so I started at, and I grew up in Atlanta, and there was a, slat, a wrestling school, a wrestling, slat, or actually it was a bar slash wrestling, and like the the real bar district in Atlanta, it was on Roswell Road, but it was really close to WCW where the where the headquarters were at, and all the Chinese would go there and wrestle on the Friday Friday nights and Saturday nights, and then, uh, that's where I got my start, me and my my high school buddy, we were doing it in high school, but we wasn't supposed to be there. You know, it was a 21-up bar, and we were 17 and going to wrestle. And, and then I, was, I don't know if you probably heard the story about how WCW and Eric Bischoff wanted to do Tough Enough back in 1999, 2000 era. Mm-hmm. So Eric Bischoff sent Canyon out to go find 20 cruiserweights, something like 20 cruiserweights to do the first reality show. And so I, I'm right there in Atlanta. Like a lot of the WCW employees would go there on the weekends and have beer and watch the guys Um uh, And then when Canyon got that deal to go find cruiserweights, I was, you know, maybe five miles from the school, and then they came and saw us. And and after we actually had a tryout match with me and my partner Ryan Forrester against AJ Styles and uh, Jason Cross. And we went out there and probably did every flip in the book, (laughs) every high slide Mm -hmm. in the book. It was probably not the best technical wrestling match, but it was, you know, pretty cool match, you know. And then afterwards they offered us deals. I signed my partner signed. AJ turned it down because they you know, they only offered us (laughs) really low money to go train at the power plant and, uh, and he had, like, college loans. He had to pay back. I said, dude, I make more than this delivering water bottles. <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. so he turned that down. And then uh, Jason's dad got involved. And he's like, if you want my son, you have to give him health insurance. <laughs> you know, so, like, you know, and, the guy, and I remember hearing the stories. like they talked to him. It's like, you know, Hulk Hogan doesn't even have health insurance through us. You know, like, it's not that kind of business. You know, so then um, – But then anyways, Kenya, like, you know, we all got offered contracts. I signed mine. Ryan signed his. AJ turned his down. Jason had an issue with his his dad and the health insurance issue, and and that's how we got signed, and then we got a power for four months, and then Eric Bischoff got fired, and then they fired me and fired, like, 17, uh, maybe 16 cruiserweights that they signed and kept a few of them, like Shannon and uh, Shane. And then they started three count and then and they, they and then they need uh do you want to go to the next story? <laughs> Yo, yeah,
4: yeah, the, yeah, keep going.
3: Obviously then they needed somebody to feud with three count, right? There you go. That's uh, not easy to feed the, feed the line, you know. Uh, so like yeah, so they had Shandon and Shane, Clay three count, they had Kaz, and uh and they needed somebody to feud with them and then they had Katsayashi, and then I was the other Asian guy. And I said, oh, well, that guy's really good, too, Jamie Noble, <laughs> hillbilly from West Virginia. <laughs> you know, so I'll just put a mask on him and call him Jamie <laughs> Song, You know, so, yep. <laughs> so, you know, Jimmy Hart, someone that Crazy Young Dragons. And, um, you know, so that – but then me and Jamie worked on it. We didn't have contracts for, like, six months I think, maybe even more than that. We were just doing all the shows and, and getting paid uh nightly bills. And then we had a really good match in uh Nitro with the uh three count and then when we walked back to the curtains it's like you guys need contracts and then we signed and then kept that angle kept the feud going with three count and then the ladder matches and did that for the next few months, until they end, the end, basically, ended WCW.
4: And it's funny because, like, obviously you should have probably been signed all along. But the chemistry between Three Count and the Young Dragons was great. And you mentioned the ladder matches; it just seemed like those kind of old school cruiserweight matches where they, you know, they when they first really were were booming with the cruiserweight division with Ray and Dean and Eddie a little bit. You know, they had so many good guys, and it seems like they were trying to go
3: for that all over again with you guys. Yeah, but, like, I think our 3 to time was a little bit different. And I think our Three Counts Young Dragons wrestling is kind of the guys you should blame for the New Age wrestling, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. the the, the Young Bucks and uh, the Lucha Bros and all those guys, like, you know, like, I think Young Dragons Three Counts matches were different than, Ray Mysterio and Juventud uh, Guerrero and the Luchadors, right? Like, it's like, they had their style, but it was kind of that style. And then the Young Dragons three-count came, and like, that's I kind of, you know, with the StarCast thing I'm doing is 20 years of Yang, you know, so I've been looking back at a lot of footage lately to what I'm going to sell at StarCast. I'm like looking at it, and it's kind of like Oh yeah, these guys are Young Dragons. Three counts are the guys to blame for this new era of athletic hybrid wrestling that are is doing nowadays compared to you know, but the luchas and the uh, Dean Malinkos and the Chris Jericho's and uh, those. It's like two different areas. I think it's two different areas. Uh, Cruiserweights and WCW. You got the Chris Jericho's, Raven Stereos, uh, Dean Malenko. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and then you have Matt style, and then you have the Young Dragon Three Counts. It's just non-stop. And back, but even back in the day, they used to call our wrestling and say, uh, the agents and even Eric Bischoff and Arn Anderson say, you know what you guys are? You guys are the car crash of wrestling. And it's, it's kind of crazy what they said to us back then. They said, okay, you know, like when you see a car crash and it's really bad, like you'd want to turn away, but you can't turn away. Hmm. That's what you guys are. And I remember actually, they said, I remember it with Jamie's story, oh, one of Jamie's stories, Lauren said, um, if you grab a hold, you're fired. So you can't have no like uh, rest spots. You know, can't grab a hold and work a hold. And Jamie did it in one of the matches. You know, just a transition to go to the next high spot. But you need holes in wrestling. It can't just be like. Uh, yes. But he got threatened that he was going to be fired because he grabbed a headlock. Wow. So it's a little bit different kind of wrestling compared to Jericho, um, Prince Ikea, uh, you know, El Dandy or Villano four and
0: five and working holds and working in crowd and Hey, let's pause one second to tell you all about the benefits of using Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom with a little help from the Triple Threat podcast and the Two Man Power Trip. So listen up, bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they are chewable, they work up to twice as fast as any other pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, if you know anything about our show, we've always got to be ready. But with Blue Chew, if you can benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, then Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Most guys talk a good game, but Blue Chew helps you follow through. So right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code FRANCHISE and just pay $5 shipping again use the promo code FRANCHISE and pay just $5 shipping. Again, it's bluechew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. Use the promo code FRANCHISE and try it for free, courtesy of your friends over at the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling and the Triple Threat Podcast. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast. It was definitely like, like a car crash, that style.
4: Obviously, trying to re generate and push to the cruiserweight division which was so popular but you're right in a completely different vein in a completely different style and you guys were just you
3: know
4: crazy off the wall is that kind of a style you guys invented i know obviously they're pushing and stuff but is that something that you guys just brought to the table and said okay we could do this and kind of you know completely change the cruiserweights
3: no not really like what with- well, Shannon, Shane, and Evan, and Jamie, and Kaz, and me, we just wanted to go out there and have the best match on the card. Like, whatever that we had to do, you know, like, it, we wasn't kind of, like, we didn't get too much direction back in the day when they kind of, you know, like, okay, you guys go out there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, um, and y'all do y'all's thing you know, and they didn't say, okay, we want you to go out there. They did act like that's so when the car crash story came like at the end of WCW. But before, I think they just like, okay, you kids go out there and do y'all thing, you know, and really at that time, or even we was pretty low on a totem pole, you know, so they didn't really pay too
4: much attention.
3: So our mindset was like, all right, let's go out there, make some noise and get everybody's attention and let's tear this fucking thing up, you know? So that was kind of mm-hmm. like, that, that was our mindset. And then like when, when that, that story about the car crash thing, we had a separate meeting, just all our cruiserweights. And this is when Eric Bischoff came back and then they said that we were actually going to be the focus of the show for going on forward. You know, we're going to highlight cruiserweights more than, um, the guy the top names that they had at the end. It's like we're moving forward, we're going we're going to have more focus on you guys and this is the direction we're going. And two months later, a month later, Vince Vince bought WCW. <laughs> so it kinda of, yep. so, so wow. Definitely ruined that. But
4: they definitely were going to give that a big push because then they made the cruiserweight tag team division. So there was, you know, the cruiserweight belt, but they also had cruiserweight tag team division. They were bringing on more cruiserweights. Eventually AJ Styles does come on board for that. But right. Did you feel obviously before Vince kind of shocked the world about WCW, but did you feel that they were definitely going in that direction by adding the cruiserweight tag titles?
3: Oh yeah. I thought I had a bright, I thought I had a bright feature yeah, in WCW. And even I think about it, if it were to continue to a few more years, you know, like I think we definitely would have been in focus of the company, you know? So like, I was really excited. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be awesome for us. Like just, you know, they're going to, you know, we had that meeting and they told us that we were going to be the focus of the show. And then they bring out the cruiserweight tag titles. Uh, we're having more time on the show. We get to do more stuff. I was like, Oh man, it's going to be awesome. You know? And, uh, and everything stopped.
4: <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, Vince ends up buying WCW. You end up really, not really with WBF, but more with Heartland with uh, Les Thatcher, the HWA. Were you expecting to be in WB, or were you thinking, uh, you, know, you know, they kind of signed us and put us in developmental, but I don't expect to make it to the main roster.
3: No, I was uh, super excited. Like, when, the, even the last night was, like, so, surreal. So like, like, but remember at that time, I was only 18, 19 years old, so I'm just a kid, you know, but I'm also like a huge wrestling fan, too, like, I've always been mm-hmm. a huge, huge wrestling fan, but like, watching the last night show, it's like, oh, my God, this is the most awesome angle I've ever seen in my life, Vince versus Shane, Shane bought the company, and we're going to go toe-to-toe, you know, like, this sounds awesome, you know, like. Imagine that angle, even even the invasion angle and all that stuff, I know it kind of didn't work out the way they, everybody wanted it to, but like, this is, we're actually going to do WCW versus WWE, and then that day, they say, oh, okay, you know, they signed, I don't know, I can't remember the number, but I think it's like 16 of us, I'm like, okay, who are they going to use, you know, like, you know, the big name guys, you know, they got their guarantees with AOL, and they only have 16 of us, like, it's going to be like, and, with the meeting with the cruiserweights and stuff, I was like, oh man, it's going to be awesome, like, this is like the, coolest angle in wrestling, you know, or I, ever, I think, you know, like, bad versus son, WCW versus WWE, and there's only 16 of us that they signed, I'm like, this is going to be awesome, and I sat at home for a few months, and they, didn't say anything, and then it's like, oh, you know, Jimmy, you know, just open up developmental, and, uh, Cincinnati, HWA. You know, what I'm saying, uh, we need you to go up there, and you might be there for like two weeks or six months. But I suggest you to move up there. And I've been here for eighteen years now, so, uh, you, know, so hmm. like, you liked like, it, yeah. But then they bought WCW. They also bought ECW, and at the time they only had the one show or the one roster for both shows. You know, so it's kind of like kind of that was a hard time to get a spot on there, you know, so I was kind of like, oh, this is not looking good, you know, so.
4: Yeah, it would be several years before you would kind of make your return and really get
3: a spot there.
4: And obviously, as Akio, a completely different character, years later, did you like that role? Did You know, did you mind the name, like, the whole package, did you like kind of being brought back into the fold and actually
3: being on the main roster? Yeah, I thought, actually, I thought Akio was a badass character, you know, I love playing that character, and that was my, it's my heel persona, you know, and, like, the way, you know, this is who you're, you know, this is what you're gonna do, you're gonna be Akio and Kakoda and you're gonna be with Tajiri, and you guys are gonna be, like, the Yakuza, you know, like, and, you know, my time in Japan, those dudes are some badass (laughs) dudes, you know, like, Oh yeah. I was like, oh, cool, you know, like, uh, you know, but the real reason I, you know, I came back to WWE, because I was wrestling, after HWA, I went to All Japan, and was doing really well out there, you know, like, uh, like, Muda, so uh, Great Muda, Kojima, Kinoka Kaz, and me did this Invasion Angle to All Japan, and business was good, man, we was you know, had some killer crowds and and things were going so good over there and uh then uh I got my girlfriend pregnant. <laughs> you know, so and uh and that's kind of made me why I wanted to go to W V because Japan I go there like two weeks, come home for like a week, go over there for three weeks come back, you know, for a week, two weeks and go back and went back and forth like two years straight, like just nonstop, and then get there and travel and all this kind of stuff. And then my girlfriend got pregnant. And then my actually my daughter was born when I was over there because her mom was a week early and then coming home and and seeing you know, at that age for babies, you know, every week they're changing so fast and that kind of really uh really fucked with my head, you know, like, oh my god, this is horrible and then that's when I reached out to uh WB and saying, Hey, you know, like I'm all I have two weeks in, in the States. You know, I'd like to see if y'all are interested and and they say, Oh yeah And then they had like, Can you come to Louisiana, you know, for uh try you know, so I flew myself down there, had a try out and then got signed back and then I said, Oh I had this idea with to area in Dakota to do the Yakuza and I, what I was most happy about is I got to be home every week to see my daughter instead of missing two, three weeks at a time. So that was, that was my, I loved the character, Akio. I thought it was a badass character. Uh, things didn't work out too well because Ryan got hurt. Tajiri was kind of scared to portray the Japanese mafia. He thought he'd get in trouble in Japan and things kind of fell apart with that that group and that character. But I loved that character but I also love being home every week to see my daughter grow up, <laughs> Yeah, you know, so. Yeah,
4: things definitely did fall apart a bit. Tajiri didn't want to have to deal with the Yakuza, obviously. She's still getting regularly booked in Japan, obviously, you know, she's still killing it over there. Sakota gets injured, get kind of released again, but they bring you back this time eventually, a little bit of a different gimmick. Jimmy Wang Yang, is that your <laughs> idea? Did you kind of come up with that gimmick?
3: No, 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 that was Vince's idea, you know. So like, uh, I came back that time, so and I, I went to go. Kind of crazy story about how I got back, but then, anyways, got back, and then I went. I said, you know, there's a, that's a that's was my third time with the company. Think when W C when he bought WCW, he bought my contract, developments all day. Let me do a Keo, and then I came back for the third time. So I'm like, you know, I wasn't even expected to get. Called back or get get another job with that company, and then they saw me and like, oh yeah, we, we want to sign you back, and I was like, man, dude, I gotta go thank Vince for this. It was like kind of crazy that he's hired me three times and like, you know, I don't know how many years, but like, so, oh, let me go thank him. So I I creeped in his office and you know, like, uh, you know, I just want to thank you, man. Like this is my third time. Like I wasn't expecting it, but that's cool. You want to hire me back? So, oh yeah, Jimmy. uh, I didn't even know you was gone, but but uh, you know, you know, last time when you was a kid, you know, I wouldn't let you talk because you're this uh you're this Asian dude that grew up in Georgia, hmm. you know. So, but this time we're gonna make a, out of po- or a positive out of pot or a out of I'm gonna make you an Asian redneck. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> That's funny, and, and then you're gonna be Jimmy Wingang. It rhymes. <laughs> that's funny, you know, I was like, yeah, cool, Vince. as long as that check comes every Monday, I'm cool, do whatever you want, you know, so, all right, (laughs) all right, get out of my office, all right, cool, you know, so, and that's kind of how that came about.
4: That is great, he's definitely a, kind of like a diabolical nut, like people, you know, say he's a genius, that? but he's definitely quirky and nutty, he just probably thought that was absolutely hilarious, and, there you go. You know, there's there's the gimmick.
3: Yeah. And he you know, like it is funny. Like that's, you know, and and Vince, you know, I don't know. You know, a lot of people knew he grew up in North Carolina, so he has some Southern roots. You know, so like, uh you know, like, I and I, you know, I, he is a genius. You know, like maybe, you know. I, and that's when people think he's all crazy and everything. It's like, is he crazy? He has a billion dollars. So like, is he? Are are we crazy that we don't have a billion dollars? Like, what? Mm. The, who, who's the crazy one? Like, I, you know, can't like, is he crazy? He he has a billion dollars. Like, maybe uh, you know, everybody else is the crazy ones the way how we think. Right, he's he crazy thinks, like you know? a fox. Yep. You know, like everybody has their Vince Man story. You know, like, oh yeah, that guy's nuts. So, like. Is he nuts? Like, Hmm. Yep. is he true? Do you think he's nuts? Like, yeah, that's why I, I don't know. I have a different mindset on this. Though. I guess i a normal person, but,
4: but I love when he brings you back. Obviously he loves Jimmy Wang. Yeah? He loves his character. He gets some vignettes. He get a real gimmick. He had a real character. You get the Fu shoe going. He really kind of goes all out for your, uh, you know, kind of like you said, third time around, but your re-debut.
3: Yeah, and I think too. At that time, you know, like there's a when the whole thing about the star Cats, Like even at that time, when I came at Jimmy Wayne Gang, right? Like when I showed up in the back and I had the tightest wranglers on my that you could wear. I had the belt buckle that was, you know, like a championship belt. And I shaved shaved my facial hair to have the Fu Man Chew. You know, like everybody laughed at me. You know, like even nobody. And I think nobody, you know, nobody in that company thought that was gonna work. You know, Jimmy Wang Yang, the Korean redneck. You know, like on paper, like that doesn't sound like a character that's gonna get over. I I don't think.
4: Right? Do you think? Like on
3: paper, Jimmy Wang Yang, Korean redneck.
4: Yeah, it's like, hmm. I don't know if this will work. Yeah. I, you know, let let's see. Let's see it in action.
3: Yeah, and and I think you know at that time, my personal belief ninety nine percent of that company didn't think it was going to work. Ninety nine percent of the company didn't believe that I could pull it off. You know, like and I only had one supporter, and that guy ran the company. So where those vignettes came from, where the promos came from, and, and the the chances that that character got was just because of Vince. You know, I don't think. At that time, nobody was like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> Korean redneck? I like that. You know, and that was my one supporter in that company to get what that character got.
4: <laughs> and you
3: got to love, like,
4: you know, it's not just like, okay, the like jokey character. No, you get in Cruiserweight title matches against Greg Helms. I mean, you're really kind of pushing that division forward. And then when they put you with Tori Wilson, obviously, Anytime you were with Tory Wilson, you know you're going to get a lot of attention because a lot of the fans uh, absolutely love Tory Wilson. So then, you know, the, and then they throw you in a tag team with Shannon Moore, and you guys just keep winning matches and winning matches. So it wasn't like they didn't do anything with with you. You know, he had a pretty damn good run that third
3: time around. I'm telling you, like, that's what I can't – like, that's – uh, I have a lot of love for DKM, you know, so, like, him – giving me that opportunity, him believing in me, uh, letting me, you know, do my thing and, you know, exactly what you said with uh, the pay-per-view Cruiserweight title matches, the Torrey Wilson, to the tag team title matches, to being on video games, action figures, baseball cards, all of the stuff that WWE produces. Like, you know, like that was that was my dream to do that. You know, it wasn't a dream to just be uh get on TV or, you know, to have a match on Nitro, Thunder, whatever. I wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be on those video games. I wanted to be on, I wanted to have an action figure. I wanted to be on pay-per-views. I wanted to be at WrestleMania, you know, and I got to do all that stuff with that character, Jimmy Lin-Gay. That's it.
4: And I remember I love the team of you and Shannon Moore just because you guys were the upset kings. You know, you beat Morrison and Mids, who were the tag champs. You beat Deuce and Domino, who were tag champs. You know, you guys just kind of were like those great guys that are great workers, but smaller, so it was kind of shocking in, in, in the underdog role, beating these big-time tag teams that were their champs. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: that's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
4: it was just a very, very kind of cool time. Did you like teaming with Shannon Moore this time around, rather than obviously WCW, where you guys feuded? A lot.
3: Yeah, I love Shannon. You know, like we, like that first time I met him at the power plant where I made him laugh, and then Sarge and Dale and everybody beat the shit out of us, you know, mm. <laughs> kind of bonded right away, you know, and then our journey's kind of been pretty similar, you know, and even when we moved up to Cincinnati, like, you know, at the time, uh, you know, I was 20, 19, 20 years old, and Everybody was older, and they had houses and everything, cars, wives, and all that kind of stuff. Like, but man, I got a two bedroom apartment. You guys can hmm. stay with me. So, I, like, it like, I had six dudes in my two bedroom apartment. Shannon and Cash shared one room. Giant a boom, and Maven was in the living room. Easy money. Uh, who else was there? Like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, who else was there? Well, it was like Kid Romeo and they were, Skipper. Like, everybody lived at my apartment, and like. So we had, you know, meeting Shannon there, doing the thing WWE was We was good friends at the beginning, and then it was roommates, and then uh, training, and then we wrestled each other, and then we got the team with each other. And, you know, and Shannon's an amazing wrestler. And, you know, we, we, man, we tore some shit up in WWE with that last run or even with the Miz and Morrison, man, we took that took that match all, all across across the world, and, like, we'd had some awesome chemistry. Uh, like, Miz and Morrison are awesome because everything worked, and Shannon, you know, me and him are good friends. And I'm good friends with Miz and Morrison, too. Like, everything worked, and it was a really good run, you know. So I enjoyed te- teaming with Shannon a lot,
4: yes. Yeah, so. Awesome stuff for me. I was a big WCW fan, so it was weird. It was like a guy from the Three Count, a guy from the Young Dragons, yeah. form like forming this good of a tag team.
3: With you know what the hell's going on around here? Well, here's something you think about. So, and <laughs> Young Dragons, right? Jim Jamie is this West Virginia hillbilly that was portraying an Asian guy in WCW, right? Yep. So when I he, that's who he was in WCW and WWE, but or no, in WCW he was there. Hillbilly trying to be an Asian guy, right? So when I got the I was the Asian guy trying to be a hillbilly. Right so <laughs> yeah. About that, yep. Like That's a good so, point. Yep. You know, I was like what? What happened? We just flipped, flipped roles, kind of like uh. On the, on the, on the yeah, that company. is
4: great. That is great. And I just remember, obviously, this is before this WB run, but. When you were a flying Elvis, yeah, I remember
3: that as <laughs> well. That was great. Yeah, nobody will forget that. I wish they, you know like, I still get reminders about being an Elvis impersonator, you know. And even that story, like I didn't know I was doing that, because I was in all Japan, you know. I was this strong style wrestler, and like even uh, the booking, I was in Tennessee on my way back from you know, back in Cincinnati and Jeremy Porras called and like, Hey man, you in town this time? I'm like, yeah. Uh, you want to come do a show for us? I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll come down. You know, like, I didn't know how big it was. I didn't know anything about it really. And I showed up and it was at the uh, big arena and I was like, Oh shit. And they had TV cameras out. and like, Oh, this is not just an independent yeah. show. This is kind of big, you know? And then I walked in and it's, Jimmy, come here. We got you. We got your gimmick. We got your outfit. And they pulled up the Elvis outfit and said, "This is for you." I'm like, "Fuck no!" <laughs> like, there's no way in hell I'm putting that thing on. Like, I'm this strong style wrestler in Japan. And then, uh, you know, day goes past. I'm like, "Yeah, fine. Like <laughs> you know, let me put this thing on." And kind of had a lot of fun with it, you know. And and I guess it made kind of an impression because I still get reminders about being Elvis impersonator still today. You know, and I was like. 17 years
4: ago pretty amazing that that can still be remembered 17 years ago just because it's a you know wacky gimmick but it was such a great match with six guys that could really go i mean obviously estrada siaki and yourself as the flying elvises against aj jerry lynn and and loki but i just think it's so weird that they came up with that gimmick did they even explain like why they wanted that like what was the obsession with you guys being the flying elvises.
3: So, so I got two stories for that. But first it's like who, who won that match and who beat who. I just wanted to Right, yes, a good point. You guys win, yes. Yep. No. who who won that match and who went over on who? I just testing your here. knowledge. Let me think here. Did you pin AJ? That's right. Who pinned AJ? I believe you did, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just this is what i in there, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so this story about the flying Elvises, right? So This is two parts of it, right? So I did the Flying Elvis in TNA. I I thought it was kind of out there, kind of idea, characters, whatever. So when I came back as, uh, you know, Jimmy Wang Yang, so Hunter comes to me and says, hey, Jimmy, Uh, you know, I remember when he was a Flying Elvis. Guess what? This is the story, right? When Russo was in uh, WWE, Russo, Michaels, and Hunter had his idea about a Flying Elvis. So they went to Vince and said, hey, man, you know, this little guy was going to have these three cruiserweights dressed up as Elvises. It's going to be awesome, right? And then Hunter's like, our response from Vince, he looked at all three of us and said, what drugs are y'all on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a story from Hunter. You know, a, y'all actually tried pitching this to Vince, and he asked you what drugs you are on. So, right. That's awesome. yeah, so awesome. Russo left, you know, Russo did his name, and TNA comes and basically steals that idea from, or well, I don't know who exactly came up, but Hunter told me it was him, Sean and Russo that came up to find Elvis's, you know, told to Vince, and Vince asked what drugs they're on. So then Russo stole that idea in the TNA thing. So I did my return to TNA, I don't know how many years ago was it, but it was my, uh, First time back in a long time, right? So I went down there, you know, as I like, met, and I wanted to do the Elvis character. So I, so I, Vince Russo comes and talks to me and says, Hey, man, before we get this, I want to ask you the story that I, I was told by Hunter that you guys came up with it and he you pitched to the Vince. And it's like, Is that a true story? I said, Yeah, <laughs> it's a true story. We went pitch to the events. This is from him coming, telling me the story. He said, Yeah, we went to pitch to the vents. And he asked us what drugs we were on. <laughs> like, you know, so, and, and that's how, you know, that's how the flying Elvis came about. Like you basically took that idea from Hunter and Sean and did it in TNA, you know. So that's how the flying Elvis came about. Such a weird gimmick. But obviously
4: they liked you guys. Cause, like you said, you pin AJ in the match. And that's like kind of the precursor where they really started pushing the X Division. And the X Division really put TNA on the map. So, I mean, that's saying a lot. Of you guys, even though it's silly gimmick, so to speak, with the the flying Elvises,
3: but they really like you guys. We're giving you a big push. Yeah, and then, then this is another thing about me. I think it really doesn't matter about the gimmick, right? I can make an Elvis impersonator, I can make that work. I can make a Korean redneck work. I can, you know like right right really, you know like hey we want you you know like uh, uh, you know I I, I I don't know I, I I'm not sure about uh, other wrestlers, but like whatever you want me to do, I can make it work out there. You know, if you want me to be Elvis Presley, I'll go out there and try my best, you know, to be Elvis Presley. If you want me to be a gay Asian redneck, I'll go out there and be a gay Asian redneck, you know. Like, if you want me to be a, you know, a mafia guy, you know, like, it's it's kind of a part of wrestling, right, I think, you know, like, uh, you know, like, that's a, you know, gimmicks and people are like, what do you think of it? It's like, what did you think when Vince said, you know, you're going to be a Korean redneck? I said, cool. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh, you know, as long as that check comes every Monday, I'll do whatever you want. Right, to do. yep. And go to TNA and say, hey, uh, can you be a Flying Elvis? I was like, uh, as long as that check comes every Monday, I can be a Flying Elvis, you know. <laughs> if you want me to be a ninja, a dragon, you know, like I can do that too, you know. So it's, it's not uh, – you know, it's kind of how my mindset is with wrestling, you know, or characters and gimmicks, you know, like, it's probably not the best thing, right? On paper, Elvis impersonators, you got a Korean guy, you got a uh, Samoan guy. <laughs> yep. Oh, my not God, yeah. exactly sure what Jorge was, you know, like, but uh, on paper that doesn't sound good, but those three guys, you know, I think us three can make it, you know, we all made it work, you
4: know, so. It's so funny, like just to think about, like you know, a gimmick like 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 what in the world you know they think about. But that's such a great backstory as far as Russo and where he kind of got the idea from. Because when you're watching it as a fan, you're like,
3: flying this like, what, <laughs> yeah. what year is this? What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I get a lot, you know. But then they say, oh man, that that was a badass match. It's was like, you kind of forget about the. Elvis costume, you know, like you just think about, you know, those guys that are killing themselves and busting ass, you know, like to put on uh, a kick-ass match, really, you know, and then then after, oh, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, those guys are Elvis' person. (laughs) That's kind of (laughs) funny, you know, so it kind of grabs your attention a little bit more, you know, and see some really bad acting, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And
4: it's interesting, because obviously you have All Japan commitments, so you're kind of, like, here and there with TNA, and, I mean, they probably wanted you to be there more, but you just had your commitments with All Japan, right?
3: And then that's the thing, When I was told they wanted to put the X, title, the X Division title on me, you know, So they said, Jimmy, please, man, we'll put the title on you, you know, like, I said, oh, you, you can match the pay, <laughs> you know, like. I have no problem with staying at home, you know. But uh, you know, I was doing really well in all Japan. I was like, "This is, you know, this is what pays my, this is what pays my bills." This is is this? It's not, you know, the TNA money that you know, and they're losing money over fists, you know, back then. And uh, I did hear your interview with uh, Disco about you used to get the weekly pay-per-views, like you. Oh yeah, you got, yeah, yeah, the ten dollars a week, <laughs> you know, like yes, yeah. yep. It's kind of it gets a little pricey for yeah
4: but, you know. yeah. After a while, I feel like maybe I was the only one getting them because it get it does. I mean, it gets crazy pricey, and you gotta you know get rid of some other stuff to make sure you can pay for that. It's kind of a kind of a crappy proposition if you think about it. Because now you get the network, it's ten dollars a month. You don't even think about yeah. it. This was, was ten dollars a four, week.
3: Yeah, forty yeah. bucks a month. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, five hundred bucks a year. Like that's kind of a pricey thing. I like. Yeah, I didn't, you know, the content line on the, you know, back then, I, you know, I, I don't know how much it cost to run the pay per view, but I was like, that's, I was kind of, are they making money? <laughs> you know, like.
4: Exactly. Yep. That's yeah. why you got to, you know, stick with All Japan or, you know, wherever you're making your your real bread, you know, or eventually, yeah. obviously going back to WB where you can make some really good money.
3: Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking really good in All Japan and, uh, and, kind of pay cash and stuff, but, you know, like WWE, when I came back, I didn't really care how much they paid me. You know, I just wanted to be home every week to see my daughter. You know, so I was like, I was actually making more money in Japan. (laughs) Hmm. Wow. You know, what life situations and what was important to me was seeing my daughter grow up, you know, instead of really cashing in. You know I kind- of, I don't know if I regret, but like it's like, man, I was making a lot. <laughs> it was cash, they paid for the travel, they paid for the hotels, you know we had sponsors out there, then we had to pay for much out there. it was you know, I had a really good deal, but what was important to me is to see my daughter grow up, yeah, so
4: all the family man, now, as we hit the wind down button we start to head for the finish line here, just gotta ask. I know you you um, told me uh, via email, a good friend of yours, Jeremy Granger, saved a day down in Dayton, Ohio. This is actually a good friend of yours and just an amazing story that he stopped that psychopath from hurting even more people.
3: Yeah, actually, Jeremy Granger was one of my students for wrestling. Yes, yes. And... Okay, Awesome. So, and, you know, he was a student and he was, he wrestled for my small show student shows I had. And he was my champion. He was also like this really, like really big hearted guy. You know, he's, he's not the tallest guy, but you know, like, but like, he's short in stature, but he had a big heart, you know, like, you, and, you know, like you could tell that guy was a legit dude. Right. Like, and then I see him a lot with the party buses, with that Oregon districts, like a, you know, big dropping spot for the party buses, and every time I go up there, you know, I I go hang out with him right in the front door where all that stuff happened. You know, and we we've been friends for a while. You know, and then even when that happened, I was out on a run. I got home two three o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden I see what's going on. So Jeremy is the door guy bouncer. He's right at the door. You know, so the first thing I start panicking, like, oh, shit, you know, like, that's Ned Peppers. That's where Jeremy works. That's where he he's at, the front of the door, you know, I'm, and I message him, like, you okay? You know, I'm trying to get in touch with him, and obviously I can not get in touch with him, and just sitting and watching and seeing how things unfold and hearing the story, what happened, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, terrifying Uh, you know, being way too close to the situation, you know, like all the, you know, the, you don't realize how, you know, bad those things, you you know, people realize how bad they are, but you don't really realize how bad it is until you know somebody that's right in the middle of it, you know, so like, I was, I was, and somebody, definitely somebody that you have a relationship with, somebody you like, and somebody you care about. You know, and 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 seeing things come out, and then i um, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing these things on social media that, you know, the bouncer, you know, rushed everybody in, barricaded the door, guy got shot, you know, he jumped there, unarmed the shooter, and uh, it's a kind of really unbelievable story. I'm like, like I, I just, it's so shocked. Like I'm thinking about what would you do if somebody had a AK. Pointed to your face, like like, what what like I I I it's hard to think about being put in that situation, right? It's unbelievable. You know, somebody just unloaded, and so think about the Oregon District. All right, that's a big bar district. Like like that's that whole street is just filled with people. Definitely Friday Saturday night. There's you know five hundred to a thousand people on that street. You know, I know that area because I'm always up there. You know, at, with the buses, you know, and I and hearing the story, what happened, all this kind of stuff, and it's crazy, you know. Like, and then, then footage start come out, right? Like, this is, this is, you know, this is the surveillance cameras, what they caught, and there's Jeremy Ganger right there. You know, shots are going in. He's rushing everybody in the bar. You see the shooter come around and come straight to the door and has the gun up. You know, and and Jeremy's you know, his interviews saying he was squared off at a dead stare at this guy, you know, right? And then he grabbed the barrel and then he got shot and then Jeremy actually had to go to the hospital because he got hit with stretinol and uh so it's just such a crazy story. That dude is a hero, like it was like he he got, could you imagine if that three more seconds, four more seconds, but I know Jeremy as a person and even he said it on his interviews. He I would have died before that guy w- would have got into that bar. And that's 100% true. Like, knowing Jeremy and know the kind of guy he is, he would have took a bullet for all those people that was inside the bar. You know, so that, that dude's a hero, you know, and he deserves, you know, the like I, I you know, I posted on social media, like, I talked to him and said, dude, and the thing with that, too, with Jeremy – He's a bouncer slash wrestler, right? Not the most financial stable job in the world, right? But I don't know how anybody could go back to work in that situation from what he saw, right? Can Mm -hmm. you imagine that? Yeah, Yeah. Unreal, unreal. Like, that dude was, you know, one foot away from Jeremy. You know, you know, he died uh, a living human person you know died right in front of you you know and then knowing he you know he killed nine other people injured so many other people like and you seeing bullets come at you you get you're so he was so close you know he got hit with stretinole. The that is still in his body cuz they couldn't get it out you know and like so that's what I did set up or actually I made him set up a PayPal uh I wish I had the link to it. But if you go to my social media, Facebook Twitter, PayPal, something, Jeremy Ganger something. I said, dude, I will never let you go hungry. You know, like, uh you wanna come drive a party bus? Fine. If you need anything, let me know. Like you will I will never let you go hungry for being a hero that <laughs> what you put yourself through. And I don't know how you can go back to work if that's your job. To that situ- that that place and having those memories about what happened and what you saw. Well, then Jeremy's a great friend. Uh, he's gonna come to the Starcast with me. Uh, wrestle travel, uh, hooked him up with some VIP bracelets. He's gonna be at AEW. Uh, you know, I guess you know people if they want to have a chance to talk to him and you know thank him for his bravery or, you know, he'll be up there with me, you know, so.
4: That is awesome. He is a true real life American hero. There's no doubt about it. And absolutely fearless guy. I mean, it's crazy. And it's awesome that he will be with you a part of StarCast, a part of 20 years of Yang. It's going to be Yang time all over (laughs) again. Yeah. you know, as we're going through your career, we're talking about the different stops you made along the way. Do you have some favorite matches that kind of just stick out or, you know, just some favorite moments in the business that really stick out above all others?
3: So there's a lot of moments, but my biggest, you know, like I grew up in Georgia, right? My I grew up on, I, I was a very poor kid. We had three channels uh, growing up, TBS. I'm not sure what the other two was, maybe uh, PBS <laughs> and uh, <laughs> one of the other free channels, right? So I grew up on Atlanta Braves baseball and WCW Saturday Night, you know. So my biggest goal, this is before Nitro, Thunder, StarCast, WrestleMania, all that kind of stuff, but like my biggest goal was to be on WCW Saturday Night. I used to go to the Cobb County Civic Center when they had the tapings there, and they had tapings for eight hours long, and I was always at the guardrail, just waiting, you know, to give high five to Sting, you know. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. that was, that's what I grew up on, you know. So my my, the first goal was, I just want to make it to WCW Saturday Night, you know, and you know I got that, and I had to got the wrestle Dell, the Demon Torborg, and you know that now, the first. WCO Saturday night always sticks out In my mind you know it, it was A good match I don't think it was the best match I've ever Had but like uh, you know it was You know something That was really cool to me uh, You know like And in Japan you know Like the famous arena Called the Budokan you know rock out The Budokan you know like mm-hmm. And this is uh, Baba's Giant Baba's building right So it was a, a lot of like every time We wrestled there it was like Kind of like that's a square garden for me, you know. It's like, uh, like I say, I want to rock this thing like a motherfucker. <laughs> you know, so like we, I had some really kick ass matches there. Uh, like there's a lot of guys, you know. I like I had so many matches with like Shane, Shane Helms, and Hurricane that were really awesome, and Chavo Guerrero, like that dude. I love wrestling Chavo. Like, that's what people ask me. Who, who's your favorite person to wrestle with? It's probably Chavo Guerrero. That dude was awesome, you know, and, and memories that, uh, you know, me feel like I've not made it, but feel people know me, right? Like, I remember doing the dark match at the Madison Square Garden for the Royal Rumble. I came out, and that place went crazy, you know, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, like, if he can get, you know, Make it in New York. You can make it anywhere, right? So, and Madison Square Garden, Garden, Kent and Jimmy, you know, like the whole place. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But then, uh, like trying to think best matches. Like, and then uh, you know, me and Paul London when we did the Velocity matches. You know, like we go out there and all right, let's let's tear shit up, you know, and like those matches. There's I I it's hard to name one match that that really sticks out, but matches with Paul, matches with Chavo, Shane, uh Kaz out in the sold out Budokan in Tokyo, you know, uh some European matches that were really cool cool, like you know, like as uh but I I love my matchup with Rey Mysterio. Like there was some really badass matches with him. Uh Loki, A J, you know, like Major Red, Major Red's coming back to wrestling. We got some yeah, crazy out yep. in Japan. Like uh, I don't know, man. There's a lot. A lot in twenty years. <laughs> you know, so a lot of things that stick out to me about it's hard to pick one Pacific match that was like a match with Moores and Miz uh, Morris, uh Morrison and Miz There's some some really cool matches and uh, the latter matches like Cali got me reminiscent and making me feel really old. <laughs> 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 like, I oh, hear so many, you know, like, that's cool.
4: Hey, you got the 20 years of Yang coming up and obviously Labor Day weekend in Chicago. You will be part of the huge Starcast festivities. Definitely. I recommend everybody go out and meet Jimmy, get on that party bus, hang out, meet Jeremy as well. Awesome stuff. Now, where can the fans kind of find you? Can you give us uh, some of your social media plugs?
3: Yeah, yeah. So like, I got Twitter. That's a like Yang, at Keo Yang, You know, I my Facebook uh, Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus. And, you know, it's on Facebook, Facebook.com backslash Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus. Uh, I got Instagram at Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus, and uh, but and then you know, I got 20 years of Yang and four days at Starcast, and then you know, with Jazzy Yang, you know, a few years going to get the next generation Yang, and you know, she's gonna. Be up there in Chicago with me, too, <laughs> so people can meet the next generation of Yang, you know, and uh, well, it's going to be awesome to see everybody and be in that environment and, uh yeah, oh, yeah, and also, I cleaned out my closet, too, like, there's a, you know, I got the memorabilia stuff that I haven't got out of my closet in 20 years, and I pull everything out and will bring it up to StarCast. I, also, I, you would love this stuff. I got some old WCW stuff, the old WCW book, and the Uh, But then I got all these Japanese programs that have some legends in there like Steve Williams, uh, uh, Mike Rotunda, Johnny Smith, uh, George Hines, Mark Gunn, I do with a butcher, like all this stuff. I'm like, oh, this is some really cool stuff. I probably should keep it, but it's been in my closet for 20 years. I'm, like I'm not really going to use it, I don't think, you know, like so I'm going to bring all that stuff up there. Uh, bring Jazzy Yang, bring Jeremy Ganger, and bring Mr. Yang, you know, so, so it's going to be kind of cool.
4: That is awesome stuff, and of course, we hope you can have it, if if you can find it somewhere. Please yeah. say you're bringing the Flying Elvis costume as well.
3: <laughs> you know, man, yeah, <laughs> we'll see if I can find that thing, <laughs> but uh yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And then also I heard there's a batter oil up, up there on the weekend, so it might be something to look into. So. <laughs> oh,
4: nice. I
3: like <laughs> so that. My, yeah. my, my Elvis gimmick battle oil might fit in there so, or fit in something over there. So.
4: <laughs> so we'll that would, would be awesome. And, uh, Jimmy, thank you so much uh, for all the time you gave us tonight. And I highly recommend, if anybody's in the Cincinnati, Ohio area, get on over to Jimmy's Redneck Party Bus. That is definitely something to check out. You got to play Yee-Haw at the end. (laughs) All right, Jimmy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And good luck with 20 years of Yang.
3: All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for
0: having me. Yee-Haw. (laughs) I'm your boy. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.